Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits. Volume Pod, the podcast looks at the greatest compilation series this country's ever produced. <laughs> My name is Josh Earl, and welcome back to the pod. Welcome back to your ears. The one, the only. It's Ben Lovers, everyone. Yeah. Let's dance. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Hello. All right, so we're doing Volume 30. Volume 30. So what year is this again? The oh, year 2000. We've just survived Y2K. Oh, that's right. We all have Olympic fever. I was just born. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? Were you overseas in 2000? Uh, no, I was working at a fine establishment in Melbourne where I can relate to very a lot of these songs uh, because I was working at an establishment called The Depot in Richmond. Oh, you were behind a, the bar? Behind the bar. Collecting glasses? Uh, collecting and uh, listening to the cover band who was the theme song to the footy show. <laughs> oh, what was that? What? Uh, what were they known? It was like before. More than a game. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. And, used to, and like... Every Saturday night they'd play. They'd play covers, right? Yeah. And occasionally they'd also get the lead singer from Hunter and Collectors. Mark Seymour. Yeah, so he'd come in and then he'd sing the Holy Grail and all that jazz. And Going to talk about him on Pod Machine on Patreon. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, man, I've got some stories about him. So, so a few people have. Every time I've met someone who's known him, like, oh, yeah, he's a... And he had such a distinctive look. Yeah. As well. Like those, that peroxide hair. Slash, oh, it was amazing. Was that... No, I thought that was his brother from Crowder House. Who had the peroxide hair? Oh, well, that was, well, I guess he was singing his brother's songs. Nick Seymour and Mark Seymour, I think. The Seymour brothers. It was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. So, volume 30, it's side A. I, I, look, I'm going to... This could be one of the best collection of songs A hundred percent. Okay, good, good. A hundred percent. There's a song on this playlist, which... Look, I'll let you think about what you think is, is, is on currently on one of my playlists. I, I think I know which one it is. I don't think you do. I... I reckon it's going going to be near the end, but we'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll oh, get there. Because <laughs> <laughs> la- last time you were on, I think it was like volume four or volume three. Yeah, it was ages ago. We we didn't. I've got a pit for you, and what we do now at the end, I get you to rate how many are hits because they say one hundred percent. Oh, so this one's gonna, gonna be the closest we're ever. Gonna, we're going to rate it. Right. Okay, so we're going to kick off. Mm. Just when you think in the year two thousand, <laughs> Eurodance has done, and we're not going to hear. Think again. We're now going to have a song. That was huge. Huge. Huge song. Huge. I hate it at the time. Now, I don't mind it. I don't mind it either. It's got some kitsch value. This is Eiffel 65 <laughs> and their song Blue Bar... Oh, Da Bar D. Yo, listen up. Here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world. And all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue like him. Inside like, and outside blue his house with the blue little window and a blue corvette and everything is blue oh. for him and himself and everybody around cause he ain't got nobody to listen to listen to listen to listen. Here we go. That's all going on. It didn't matter which dance floor. In a pub, at a club. Yeah. It didn't matter. It was a banger. So I was, when this came out, I was end of first year uni. Yeah. Could not have been more of a fucking music snob. I remember going home for Christmas. I'll stop it there. Going home for Christmas. And my young cousin, who would have been like eight, nine, Listen to this gun. This is the best song ever. And me trying to go, trying to tell a night, this is a terrible song. And I'm like, come on, Josh. Let the kid enjoy the song. Like, But I just feel like it was one of those ones where it was like, it's, those, it's a Euro dance track yeah. that just hit the mainstream and it hit it hard. Yeah. So it didn't matter where you played this song. So when I went to the depot and I was also working at a hostel bar, so those two, as soon as you put it on, it just the dance floor went off. And yeah. also, people who were travelling just went, oh, I feel like I'm back home in Euro trash. <laughs> so 
a bit of background about Eiffel 65. So they're from Italy. They formed in 1997 at a record company called Bliss Corporation. And the name Eiffel 65 just came from a, a random word generator that the three guys <laughs> went, put it in, and they went, oh, yeah, that's right. But 65 was added by mistake. So it's when, supposed to be 69. That would be great. <laughs> I, no, what it was, this is, this is the law. I'm not sure how true it is, but this is a good story. So the producer had written a phone number on the piece of paper that had the band name on it. And when they sent it off to the graphic designer, the first two numbers of the phone number were on that piece of paper. And so he thought, oh, even though it's in a different, like, Eiffel's printed out, but this is written, it must be Eiffel 65. And when it came back, they went, okay, yeah, we'll just be Eiffel 65 then. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is amazing. Can you imagine? But also, like, just not caring. Like, yeah. Like, just going, okay, well, I guess we'll go with that. But also, go, it's a way better name than just Eiffel. Yeah, Eiffel, yeah. Well, you probably think it's like some, I don't know, jazz trio. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that plays along the rain or something like that. But this is just, yeah, Eiffel 65. Yeah. So and went, you don't forget it. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of numbers coming up too, which you don't forget. Uh, so we have. And they had two big hits, though, didn't they? Eiffel 65. Yeah. They had this, this was a huge hit. This went number one in 18 countries. And it became one of the first ringtones? Is that... Is it, Could be, yeah. Oh, well, I always assume I that Crazy Frog was the first ringtone song. I see, because it reminds me of... That always reminds me of A little of bit, yeah. I mean, the, the film clip was like the computer animated little alien. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's so right. It's, it's, and everyone was having... Because I remember it because... Uh, we would like do like, <laughs> we remember Maduri Shakers. Oh, yeah. Right. But then when that song came out, we just did like a version, but it was blue. Oh, amazing. Like, like if everyone had blue tongues and like dancing along. One in 18 countries, Australia, one of them, New Zealand, one, of course, listeners, Hungary, of course, number one. It was the third highest selling single of 1999 behind Mumbo Number no. 5 Whoa. by Lou Baker and Britney's Hit Me Baby One More Time. Jesus, they were massive numbers as well. I know. I remember New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine, going into two thousand, dancing. I was down at the east coast of Tasmania. We just had no plans. We'll just go down there. All the campsites are full. We'll just go. Oh, we'll just fucking park in a campsite and just sleep in the car. Who cares? Like yeah. No one's going to there. And there was a a DJ on the beach. And as the new year came in, he played Mumbo Number no. Five. <laughs> One, two, yeah. three. He was German, wasn't he? I think he was German, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Baggett, yeah. yeah. So, Big year for Europe. Big year oh, for Europe. Massive. So this is how the, the, the band decide they want to write a dance song with just nonsense lyrics. Even though they're Italian, they're like, we're going to write it in English, but it's just going to be nonsense so everyone can enjoy it. And so the member, Jeffrey J, said the song should be about how a person chooses their life and Maurizio Labino just said, just make it nonsense. And so they kind of... <laughs> Combine the two And so they settled on the colour blue being the theme And so the producer actually came up with a Daba D hook And they put the lyrics over that Do you know what this is? This is a classic example It's like, just don't overthink it Exactly yep. Don't overthink it no. Like, if you just go, this is a good idea Bang, next Next one But Blue, great Okay, yep. move on 65, done <laughs> It ended up being the most played song in America in the year 2000 That's insane People hated it as well, because someone's done a, it's been used now recently as um uh, as they've used it as what is it? they've sampled it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, they would have, yeah. I've got like a song on a playlist where they've sampled it, but, I know, and again, I don't mind it. I, I can't remember what film it was. It was either like uh, one of the Seth Rogen films. They used this at the start of the f- f- film, or it may have been a Guardians of the Galaxy film, one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they oh, that go, makes sense. We need to set this in a time and yeah. this is a we great We need the song. parents to enjoy some of this movie. <laughs> yes. So th- this is what Rolling Stone said about it. It said, blends share-esque vocoder vocals, trance-like synth riffs, unabashed Euro disco beats, and a baby babble chorus so infantile it makes the Teletubbies sound like Shakespeare. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, that- God, that... That journalist would have been happy with that line. I know. Just go, <laughs> Smug. It's smugness. It's that thing. It's so much easier shit on something than to actually go, you know what? This is good. It's dumb. Yeah. It's good. They, they, they know what they're doing. A year ago, I wouldn't have appreciated this song. Really? A year into doing what, this podcast. What, what's changed? This podcast. Oh. I, now, I now appreciate pop music 
for being dumb. See, it's really funny. I I used to listen to a lot of grunge and then later on, I just never... I was a, a bit of a snob as well. Yep. And I didn't realise that I should go back to my Dutch roots, but I do love bad dance music. Yeah. And I really like... And now I've discovered a new playlist on Spotify, chilled uh, dance music. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like, so, so dance music for your chair? Like, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, it's dancey, but it's like, yeah, but I'm driving. Yeah. Everything's okay. Like, what is it? The one I like is um, by uh, Fast Car. Oh, Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Great song. As a dance music. As a dance number. Have you heard that one? Yes, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Shakespeare, here's the next <laughs> ones. This is from the album Hooray for Boobies. This is <laughs> the Bloodhound Gang and their absolute... Banger classic, The Bad Touch. Is it a banger? We'll see. This is the one where they're monkey costumes, right? Yeah, monkey rats. It's it's quite a film clip. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah it's it hasn't aged well. <laughs> no. Some might even say, even at the time. <laughs> it could be cancelled. <laughs> Last week we talked, or last time we talked about Bloodhound Gang, we talked about how they were influenced by Depeche Mode, and I couldn't hear it. In this, you really can hear. Of course. There we go. See, and this is the thing. You know what's interesting about this one is I remember the film clip, yep. right? Because it was they're doing. Because where are they from? They're from uh, America. America, but the film clip is in Paris. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I remember it's in Europe. Yeah. And then they're dressed up in the monkey costumes, and the start of the film clip is like it's kind of like they were trying to be a bit jackass, but it was all so painfully set up. I've written this. I've written it's like this is the thing. So. This is the great time where that frat boy culture was so mainstream of like we had American Pie films, yep. we had Jackass on MTV, kind of started with the Farrelly Brothers, those yep. movies which were, but all those things have charm to them. And yeah. the Bloodhound Gang didn't have the charm. <laughs> I think no. I think that's, and so. It's quite aggressive. It is. And, and when you hear him talk, I thought, oh, like <laughs> the main guy, uh, he, <sighs> He's very defensive. If you have anything uh, uh, negative about it, he'll go, Jimmy Pop, he'll, he'll really attack the journalist or whoever's saying it. Like, yeah. And so you, you bring up Jackass because they're friends with uh, Bam Margera. And uh, like Jimmy Pop was in his film called The Ming Hings and also Where the Fuck is Santa? So they were like... Oh, wow. Yeah, hanging around together. Because um, it had that real vibe about it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the start of the film clip where... They're in monkey costumes, and then they dart. Yeah, they. they, they so let's go. Okay, this is. The, they're in Paris, and the thing is, they're dressed up as what they call monkey rats, uh-huh. and they're going around and they're using blowguns um, <laughs> with tranquilizer darts, and they see four young attractive women, and they drug them and then carry them off. <laughs> Then also, this is one thing that was in the original film clip but didn't get aired in this country or on MTV because MTV actually had a meeting with the label and said, hey, if you want us to play this song, we, we like the song, we want to play it, but you can't have this scene in it. So there's some gay men and they then beat up the gay men with baguettes. No. Yeah. yeah. And Jim, this is what I'm talking about when he got any kind of backlash or anything where people say, hey, this is not, not Jesus right. Jesus Christ. He kind of said, look, I would give any gay man two tickets to the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical of his choice if he could describe exactly who's going to become violent based on that scene. And it's like, mate. Well, that's like, loaded, isn't it? Yeah, or a homophobic <laughs> comic comment in that is like, yeah, okay. So that, that hasn't aged well. Unfortunately, the song is 
It's a catchy song. Well, this is the thing. I always thought, and I remember hearing that, is I thought that was a song from the 80s. Yep. Like, it just had that beat. I just, like, and it wasn't until, like, later on, like, a couple of years ago, someone goes, no, no, that was the 2000s. I was like, no, 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 no. That was the 80s. And so when I used to hear it, I'd be like, everyone would be like, yeah, and then everyone's spinning around on the dance yep. floor, whatever. But then to think that it was actually back at that time, I was like, of course. Yeah. I never associated the film clip with this song until I actually went, ah, oh, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, here we go. So to one in eight countries, it got to five here in Australia. And on the UK single, it has a like a connection to the first band in that Eiffel 65 did the remix for it on the single. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Jeez, this is, it's we're a, only up to song two. This only is song two. All right. So yeah, Bloodhound Gang. We'll talk about them again in this uh, podcast. Uh, but yeah, that song. Do they, have, do they have any others? Burn? Like, we don't need no Let the Motherfucker Burn. Oh, burn, oh, Motherfucker. As well. burn. Okay, they've, yeah. got, they've got some Again, songs. quite aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, this is kind of like, you know, it's the was thing it where like... weird punk kind of... Ver- like, were they... It was when Eminem was coming up. Oh, okay. Like, and they fit in perfectly with those kind of bands. Yeah, they yeah, They were kind yeah. of like the comic relief, but the same energy. It's saying that, like... I'm Great sure, support band in that era. Yes. I'm sure if... I'm not sure if they played um, Woodstock 99 but they would have fit in perfectly. Great documentary. God, it's a good joke. All right, moving on. Our first Australian act for the list. Here we go. This is Madison Avenue and their song, Don't Call Me Baby. Huge. This is another big song. Huge. It's the time I used to restock the fridges. Yeah. (laughs) Like that bass line, similar to a Daft Punk kind yep. of around the world kind of bass So line. catchy. Yeah. You're already happy. Yeah. And not aggressive like the other song. No. <laughs> the song and repeated three or four times repeats again for, it just for repeats again two and a half minutes yeah like it's that's it you yep. just play the song you don't have to replay the rest that's the whole song so this is madison avenue it is andy van dorsella yes and shane coates now shane coates she was the singer she started off as a choreographer and just session musician in melbourne yeah they met the at, only way you can make money as a musician in melbourne yeah <laughs> they met at a dance club uh the Andy Van is the founder of Vicious Vinyl Records, and he'd remixed uh, tracks for Tina Arena and CDB. So you know oh, okay. he, he was in the in the biz, but they started working together just as writers and producers. And so their first single was called Fly, and the vocals were Kelly Wolfgram, who is from the Wolfgram Sisters, who quite often will do gigs at the MCG singing. Yeah, there's uh, three of them. Three of them, and they sing National Anthem, all that kind of stuff. My partner works with one of them. She's a teacher. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, and uh, my partner uh, worked with one of them as well because yeah. she was a music teacher. Uh, lovely. Anyway, but they – so they wrote Don't Call Me Baby. Shane Coates put down a just a demo vocal for it, said this is what you should do, and they had uh, – Kelly Wolfgram in the studio and after a day of recording they were like you know what I think Shane's done it better oh and so they went sorry Kelly we're gonna go with Shane like we're just gonna do the two of us the thing was Shane's uh vocal was just a first take recorded on an $80 microphone and she'd be still living off that surely I I would say so it was a massive massive song because um she's also she's still writing songs for people as well but I heard that the what's his name who who um, who created this song? Andy Van 
dorsally. Because Dave O'Neill was talking about it recently on a podcast as well. Yes, on the Dum Dum Club. He was talking about he, he's yeah. DJing some school <laughs> co- benefit thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just amazing that you can still dine out on that one song all those years later. Um, so here's the thing. So there's when Ch- Shane did the vocal for it, there are people talking in the background, and so to cover that, they've just put like a party sound in it. But the thing was that affected people who wanted to remix it because they wanted the actual takeaway, the vocals just on its own, have that as a singular track and they couldn't because there's people talking in the background. So is that a stroke of genius then? I don't know or- if it's a stroke of genius or it is just, I mean, it's so genius. you never sell the sample then? Yeah. I mean, people who did sample it had to be creative yeah, in yeah, doing okay, it and okay, do yeah. remixes. I say, so it peaked at number two. They just on- got Kelly to do it. Yeah. <laughs> peaked at number two on the Arias. It kept off the number one spot by both Lou Bega and Eiffel 65. Of course. Um, by December, it was triple platinum. So it sold See, over 210,000 copies in this country. Okay, is that what triple platinum means? Yeah, so, so in, in this country, platinum is 70,000 records. Okay, wow. Yeah. In America, I think it's uh, 250,000 records. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, per population, I get that. It went number one in New Zealand. It also went number one in the UK. What's platinum in New Zealand? 20 records? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the UK, it uh, knocked off Britney Spears from the top spot. Whoa! Selling four hundred thousand copies in the UK. It is, and again, I can imagine in the club scene there, it would have just gone off. Oh, number one in Greece as well. Yes, no, again. top ten in Greece. Sorry, and and in Ireland. So Shane, who was very much a, I didn't want to be a pop star. She was the face of Madison Avenue. That's amazing. Yeah, and uh, they. What does she do now? She writes songs for people. She retreated from the music industry. She released one solo album in like 2004. Didn't really do great. No. And now she kind of writes songs for people, but she's not like very public about it. Because um, the band initially wanted the band to be like CNC Music Factory or Soul to Soul, where it was like, we're just a collective. We're not like, yeah. one, but it was very much, no, we're going to have the tall blonde woman be Which the makes face. sense back then. Like, Absolutely totally. makes sense. Uh this song won the ARIA for Single of the Year. It also won Breakthrough Artist, Highest Selling Single and Best Video. So they walked away with four ARIAs. See, I could not remember the video to save myself. I think it's, I think it's them that dance, her dancing. I think that's what it is. Because she was a choreographer as well. Yeah. And back then, video clips were pretty basic. Very much so. So this is their only album though. One and done. It was called The Polyester Embassy. I'd love to know what money he still makes off it. Well, that's 2000. When, you know... <laughs> The music industry w- was big. Like it was still when like Napstar was in, but it wasn't really kicking off destroying the music industry like they like yeah, like it was going to. Uh, two thousand three, they both caught it quits. They both went off to release music solo. None of it hit the heights of this, and we're gonna talk about in a future episode uh, about what happened when they broke up oh. and why they broke up. Were they a couple? No. No, not a couple. No. Just just professional. All right, (laughs) moving on. Big, big song. This is Blink-182 and their song, All the Small Things. After the Bloodhound Gang, yes, like it's yes, it's a weird little yes, and then here comes the main act, yeah. Very, very big. And I, so their first single I remember was Damn It. That was the first yes. one I, and that was like 98, I'm going to say, because I remember being yep. in college, maybe 97, 98, I was in year 11 or 12. And then this was their follow up from their album, Enema of the State. Yep. <laughs> so I'm telling you, frat boy music was, but this has charm, which I don't think the Bloodhound Gang 
does. But also, I'll, I'll catch you this. Is that film clip, isn't it the one where they're in the airport hangar? Yes. Yep. Right. And so it is very orchestrated, right, with yep. everyone around. But it's just – and also, if I think about it now, I just thought about this then, is when you watch the film clip, it, it looks like they're taking the piss. Yeah, they bit. are. They are taking the piss? Yeah, it's, they're taking the piss of all those, like, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears, Christina Okay, Gilea. so it is a piss take. Yeah, but here's the thing. A lot of people at the time were like, hang on, you guys are signed to a major label. You guys are just as pop as these bands are. I know you say you're, yeah. you're punk, but you, you're writing songs to try and make the charts and all this kind of stuff. Like, you, you're in – You've got skin in the game in the pop industry. So, and even the band were like, we didn't know the. It was all the director. We didn't know that the film clips we were taking the piss from. We were just having fun with it. And so totally. when they're in the white suits and stuff like that, and I guess you know making fun of the Backstreet Boys is you know it's fine. Because like, I I remember watching going ah oh, you know it's cla- I just found it such a classic. It was like yeah na 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 like even that it's like. That's like up there with Eiffel 65. It's oh. like, just make up some shit and, and then keep it simple. Well, I think this song has the same quality as Mr. Brightside by The Killers in terms of... Oh. It doesn't If you're born between 1980 and 1998, if this song comes on, yep. you're going to sing along. Absolutely. You might not sing a lot. You might you'll be, you hum a bit. Like you'll go, oh, yeah, this is... This yeah. is the kind of song as well. And I'd add... I'd add um, uh, what's his name? Um... Limp Biscuit as well in this sort of era where you hear that song and for some reason as a young man in your 20s you have to turn your hat around. <laughs> <laughs> so this was I've got it here created with the intention of it being a radio song. Okay? Yeah. It goes for 2 minutes 47 perfect for radio. Perfect. They needed a single for the album. They just wanted something catchy and basic and the record was engineered by a guy called Jerry Finn who had experience turning punk bands into global superstars because he also worked on Green Day's Dookie album. Oh, yeah. well, so, he knows his shit. So Tom DeLong he wanted a track that included na-na-nas in it because he <laughs> loved the Ramones. And he's wow. like, same with Eiffel 65, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And the original song title was Ramones-style song. That's what the original title was. And then they changed it to Baby Cakes Butter Muffin. And then they decided on all the small things. That, and it's really funny because if I think of Blink-182, I just think they're all the same person. Like they all look the same. That sort of 90s little goatee. You know. I don't think any of them had goatees. Really? So it was, I, think, I always just think of Shannon. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I just think everyone in the 90s had a goatee. I don't think Tom had a go. I don't think Mark Hoppers had a go. Well, that little, what's that little wedge down the Oh, block? yeah, your little flavour saver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, look. Or like a lot of tats, all trying to look yeah, like Flea yeah. or something. Yeah, they've all got, I think, I know Travis Barker has a lot of tattoos. Yeah, wow. And this is his first al- album with the band as well. He's, but he's still like super famous. I mean, he's married to or engaged to a Kardashian, so that's going to do it. Oh, yeah. that's him. Yeah. They oh, just, God. it was a thing. They, so, just this week at a Blink 182 concert, he's, I think it's, I don't know what Kardashian he's with. I know it's not Kim and I know it's not Kendall, but it's I think it's one. Courtney. I don't yeah. know. She held up a sign saying, Travis, I'm pregnant. And they stopped the show and was like, oh my God, what amazing news. And it's like, it's the Kardashians. If this is not orchestrated to the fucking 100th degree, it's like, yeah. he would have known. He would like, have definitely <laughs> known. <laughs> it's. <laughs> Yeah. God, our world sucks. It sure does. <laughs> All right, let's go back to some Europop. Love it. Now, this song came out on New Year's Day on the new millennium. The first song of the millennium. Do you remember what you were doing January 1, 2000? Yes, I was recovering heavily from mushrooms. <laughs> nice. You may have turned on the radio and listened to this. This is Aqua and their song, Cartoon Heroes. Uh-huh. Do, 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 do. 
<laughs> All right, that's, we'll stop it there. It is atrocious. Your words, not mine. Oh, this is like, <laughs> like I just like, because I, is this the one where they, they're they in outer space? Is this the one where they, like the film clip? I can't I remember like. It is, a, a monster has come over. Yeah, they're, they're in some kind of. Galaxy. Gal- and a monster's destroying the earth and they come to save it. <laughs> and we'll talk about the film clip in a minute. But first, I want to say, okay, so this was, it went quadruple platinum in Denmark, where they're from. In the first forty-eight hours, so big in in their country, Denmark. Oh my god! Because they had Barbie Girl, they had Doctor uh, Jones. They also had the other one we talked about the other week that was used in the film, whatever film yeah, I it was. Barbie Girl. Yeah, no, they had it. They had a bunch of hits. Oh, yeah. And then this was the debut. So the album wasn't out yet. This was the only chance to get your hands on new Aqua material. Oh, good marketing. Yeah, it got to sixteen in Australia. It went to number one in Italy, Norway, and Spain. Jesus. 16 here was quite a dip from their previous singles, uh, but they went all out in promoting it. And so the film clip cost them $3.5 million, <gasps> making it the eighth most expensive video of all time. Can you imagine you're going into the record label? <laughs> you're going, we have, we have a new song, play it to them like, we're going to spend $3.5 million. Of your money. <laughs> of your money for this single. So I've got the list of the most expensive film clips of all time. So Michael and Janet Jackson with Scream, that comes in at number one. That was $7 million. Okay. Madonna then takes up two, three, and four with Die Another Day. That was over $6 million. Yep. Express Yourself was $5 million. And Bedtime Story, also $5 million. Bedtime Story is $5 million? $5 million. Yep. (laughs) Then, Guns N' Roses is at five. Their film clip cost $5 million for the song Estranged. Oh, God, which one's that one? Exactly. $5 million <laughs> down the toilet. <laughs> I was like, oh, paradise. No, no, okay. Then we have one which I'm like, okay, I understand this. Black and White by Michael Jackson. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that was in my head, number one. Yeah, that, that's $4 million. And that was the whole, they used the Terminator kind of technology of yeah, face and then, changing. And he's, and he's changing in different worlds. Macaulay Culkin's yeah. in it at the start. Yeah, okay. Then Gwen Stefani at seven with Make Me Like You. That was $4 million. And that yeah, was were from... Were they just in a garage? That was from 2016. So that's like not that what? long ago. Not that long ago, they're spending four million dollars on a film clip. Going twenty sixteen, where's that being played apart from on YouTube? <laughs> oh my god! And then this comes in at number eight, but with inflation, this because this was made in nineteen ninety nine. Yes. This now inflation, they reckon it's more like six million, whereas um, Gwen Stefani's with inflation is only four point nine. Six million. On a, a clip that ends up on YouTube. <laughs> and it's the whole thing. So it's called Cartoon Heroes and it's like those old B movies. So yeah. they've made it like it looks shitty. Like, not shitty, but like that kind of... Uh, I remember it had. It shocking. felt like it had a high production value. Oh, and it's like, this is insane for a song that sounds like this to go... Jesus. Because obviously they went, well, we didn't think Barbie Girl was going to be an international hit. And this is better than Barbie Girl? It's, I don't think it is. It's it's wild the amount of money that they had in the industry back then. Yeah, and also, but also, just again, like, like I feel like that's one where they just went in and went, "Ah, oh, we won't keep this simple. We'll make this as complicated as we possibly can." And like you said, it's the band's money. The band's paying for this. They might oh. not be paying for it out of their pocket at the time, but when everything comes down, go, "All right, this is what you made on your album. You spent three point five million dollars on this film clip, and you only sold this amount of records." It's insane. It is so insane. And it's so funny because I was looking at the list, like, this is my least favourite song. Yep. Like, least favourite. Because I could never get into it. Maybe because I was you know, living, doing my gap year and I was overseas. So maybe yep. that's the reason why I don't like it. But but it's, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. And he can't sing. He can't sing. I mean, he started off as the rapper. So then they kind of yeah, moved away from that. Because all he had to do was go, come on, Bobby, let's go party. That was his first (laughs) thing, yeah. And now he's like doing other verses. (laughs) Balance. Yeah. Um, All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these messages. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. All right. Now this. It's a cover. I didn't know it was a cover until I uh, started doing the research on it yesterday. It's from a movie. A very big movie. This is Ronan Keating and his song, when you say nothing at all. Bang. It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart. Without saying a word, you can light up the Try as I may, I can never explain what I hear when you don't say a thing. The smile on your face lets me know that you need me. There's a truth in your eyes saying you'll never leave me. The touch of your hand says you'll catch me. Wherever I fall You will say it best When you say nothing at all There we go. Played at so many weddings. <laughs> yes. So many weddings. Absolutely. It was the wedding song at that time. And, uh, and you, want to hear, you want to hear something a bit dark? Yeah. It's pretty dark. That song I know very, very well because when it came out, it was also the same time. Sadly, he's still alive. My uncle had a stroke. And so when you have a stroke with a certain part of the brain, you play songs over and over again. Yeah. It was that. Oh. So he used to sing it all the time to yep. himself. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's really, that's really stuck in his head forever. But could he speak anything else? No, he could. But okay. it was all like, like, he could still talk. But it was just like, there was this Because like, that loops. would be ironic if he couldn't say nothing at all. But he could sing <laughs> <laughs> when you say nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I can't believe I never put that to <laughs> All right, so this is originally a cover by Keith Whiteley. He did it first. He didn't write okay. it, but he, he, he covered it in... What, Ronan Keating didn't write it himself? Ronan didn't write it. So in 1988, it went to number one on the US country charts. Then in 95, Alison Krauss did a cover of it. It went to top 10 in the US country charts. Then in 96, an country. Irish... Do you see this as a country... I'll, I'll play here the country version of it. I, it sounds pretty much the same. It's just a little bit more twangy. Um, so what have we got? I've never assumed it's ever considered it country. But this is Keith's version of it. Just a bit twangier. Twangy, yeah. Yeah. I'll, get, I'll go forward so you can hear him singing. We're not saying I actually don't mind it's, it. It's fine. It's, it's very similar. It's just he's got a very, very country vo- vocals. Yeah, well. Um, I've never heard a cover right. of it. The well, Alison Krauss version. The Alison Krauss version is, is good. It's also very country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it's uh, Irish singer Francis Black, not the Pixie singer, uh, released it in '96, and that's when Ronan heard it. He heard the Irish because he's also Irish. Oh right? yeah, of course, yeah. of course. And so, and even though he's doing a cover of the Francis Black version, she's just like copied pretty much the others as well. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so it was used in the film Notting Hill. I was going to yeah. say that, yeah. Yeah, it went to number one in the UK, New Zealand, Ireland, got number three here, and was our 15th highest selling single of the year, 1999. Have you seen Notting Hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Julia Roberts of course. plays Anna Scott, famous movie star in the film. Yep. But the actor who wanted to the role, but was rejected because the producer said she wasn't talented enough, Al Nicole Kidman. Really? She'd read it wouldn't the script. have worked. She'd read the script. She goes, I want to do this. This is yeah, what I want. Wow. And they went, no, nah, you're just not good enough. Wow. Yeah. It's Because it's, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, Ronan, Ronan Keating um, on a number of shows. Um, uh, the Voice. He was on he was yes. The Voice. Um, and then I used to make him sing the song. What was his... Re- What's his connection to Australia? Was he and Delta together for a while? No, that was Brian McFadden. That was Brian McFadden. Okay. I don't know what his connection was. I mean, he's really probably... He's also one of these guys who just does not age. Yeah. 
It's amazing, right? And he's got young kids. But my favourite is he worked on a show called The Hundred, right? Now, this is a show where we, Australia, we've got 100 celebrities. We put them in this six-storey big wall, right? That's right. And then someone would come out, sing a song, and, uh, and if one of the judges, one of the 100 judges, uh, would like to hit the button and go green, and the whole point was to get 100 out of 100. Yeah. Everyone's... Dancing and singing along. Jordan Roscopoulos was one of the faces in the in the crowd. That's crazy. But the thing about it is, and you would know this, is in Australia we don't have a hundred celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to just bring in all these like you know a scar band from New South Wales, yep. the lead singer, or they if they even if I think they had a Michael Jackson impersonator, a Katy Perry impersonator, right? And then I remember so vividly he was the big celebrity they'd paid yeah. big money, and he sat in the middle. So then all the celebrities would fight to see who could they could be around them because he was going to get yeah, most of the But because I only knew him, I had this big like piece of paper where I'd go to the audience and be like, hey, who can recognise a, a celebrity, right? And someone actually, this, this is a whole bunch of kids, someone goes, oh, that's Katy Perry. And then someone yelled out from the background, this show can't afford <laughs> Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> And then my favourite was they, 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 then there was someone who goes, oh, I, I can recognise someone. I was like, who's that? And they're like, oh, it's a Rhonda Birchmore impersonator. And then Rhonda had to yell out, no, it's me. <laughs> well, you couldn't see the legs. You Rhonda's yeah, exactly. legs. Exactly, saw the legs. And yeah. she's so far up. Like, oh, um, but, he, but in saying that, very, very nice man. Yeah, he, he, look, I, I've not done too much research but, into like, this. But in that uh, world, but, there's a lot of divas. He's not one of them. Yeah. So yes, he was like always very respectful, always complimentary of you know me doing my thing. Like, so Notting Hill, highest grossing British film of all time. Of all time, of all time, there's not been a higher grossing. I would have thought a Bond film would have been higher than that, but yeah, no, totally. Notting Hill, Notting Hill was also. What's the other one with Hugh Grant in it? Four weddings and a funeral. I thought that would have been bigger. No, well, this was the sequel, not the sequel. This well, was the yeah, follow up. The follow up, to, yeah, like, it was well, the by Richard, yeah. Richard Curtis. So yeah, but um. It came out the same day as Phantom Menace in America and oh. that was the biggest film of the year but it was that thing of like people going to the cinema going, oh, actually, no, I might go see that as well because Phantom Menace was dog shit. Yeah, wow. Yep. Richard Curtis, genius. Well, what's he, he done? Love Actually was his last one that I... I mean, he's, I mean, he knew what he was good at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. amazing. I know everyone goes, oh, that that's aged really poorly but I'm like, it was he, trying to... At the time? Find... Every trying to cater to everyone, yeah, and hit little pockets. Yeah. Amazing. All right, let's move on. <laughs> we've got we've talked about it the other week with Eamon and Dicko. This is Cher and her song "Deve L'Amour." <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I wrote that out phonetically. <laughs> Ricky Martin was about to come in. Shakira. Oh. I think this kind of paved the way for like Latino. Western ears to go, you know what? I don't mind a bit of flamenco guitar. I don't yeah. mind a bit of that. So this was, uh, it translates to Where's the Love? Beating the Black Eyed Peas uh, by yes. a couple of yes. years before. Yeah. Uh, this is coming off the back of Believe and Strong Enough, or if you're me a few weeks ago, Strong Enough is what I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not as big a song as those two. Um, but not at all, not even close, sure. No, 
But reviews of the album Believe, which this is from, all say this is one of the highlights of the record. It's the only one that doesn't sound like it's a disco I track. Think if I was looking through it now, I would say, no, nah, it's a cheap hit. You want, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just think it's, it's cheap. Back then, okay, you know, you are generally trying to do something different, I yes. guess. Well, Cher's always about reinventing herself. It's true. And so I guess if this was a hit, she goes, all right, we can go down this path. I mean, the disco... Both creatively and uh, physically. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, one person who did love this, someone also who reinvents himself, Madonna loved this song. It was like, this is the great... And she wanted to direct the See, film. I, I remember it, but I don't really remember it very no, well. No, I don't remember it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, and- Madonna wanted to direct it, but she couldn't because they couldn't get their um, schedules to be in direct sync. the video. Yeah. Not spend $3.5 million, but yeah, direct it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, $5 million. So Cher started recording under a different name. Uh, her first time she recorded was under the name Bonnie Joe Mason. With um, Phil Spector? Not not. Uh, Sonny Bono wrote the song, so it would have been uh, Bonnie and Sonny. Um, but this is the song that they wrote and released. It was called Ringo, I Love You. <laughs> So that was from 1964. Jesus. Was not a hit. I, well, if it's so funny, at the start of it, I thought it was going to lead into a start of a skater punk song. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded so grungy. Uh, but um, yeah. She's been around for so long. So long. And hopefully she's still around while this is released. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, it's one of those. Because I always, I always associate Cher as, look, my parents, my mum liked her. Yeah. But, but also, it wasn't her first choice. Well, this is the thing. She was, I remember. My parents, when Turn Back Time came out, going, she's too old to be doing this. That's right. That's with her on the ship, isn't it? Her on the ship. So that was like 1990, I'm going to say, maybe even 89. Even, yeah. This is like 11 years after that. And good on her. Like, I think it's great that she was able to reinvent herself. Like, Believe is such a influential track in terms totally. of like people copying that vocal styling. Yep. And using that as an instrument, not just an effect. Yep. And, yeah, I, I wonder if she'll do new music. It'll be interesting. Do you know how... How old is she now? Oh, she'd be 70-something. Yeah. But it's interesting how Johnny Cash did this and a few other people have done it. When they get to a certain age, strip everything back, get Rick Rubin in and just record an album of, like, just Cher doing her voice, take away everything else and just... I reckon that could be the next move for Cher to go... Uh, unplugged this. Unplugged, yeah. yeah. Just, just strip back, yeah, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to hear that if she did, like, covers of, like, classic songs. Or she goes the other way and she teams up with that guy from Aqua. And oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, this is a song that I think is on your playlist still. Uh, this is Robbie Williams and his song, Angels. Am I right? No. Oh! <laughs> I sit away what year? This is 2000, yeah. but this actually came out in 97. Yeah. Play to death. Like, Do they know too the much. places where we go when we're gray and old. He still sells it. Cause I have been told that salvation lets their wings unfold. So when I'm lying in my bed, thoughts running through my head, and I feel that love is dead. You get lost in it, don't you? I'm loving it's a really good song. It is, it is, it is. And through it, oh, she offers me protection. A lot of love and affection. Whether I'm right or wrong. And down the waterfall, wherever it may take me. I know that life won't break me when I come to call. She won't forsake me I'm loving angels instead 
The song that on the uh, documentary Live Forever about Britpop said this was the death of Britpop, this song. What? Well, they said when Robbie Williams and the pop stars are doing songs better than we're doing them, it's time to pack it in. Yeah, yeah. wow. Because, you know, this is very, like, Oasis had the big songs, totally. not like this, but similar in terms yeah, yeah. of, like, well, you know, big yeah. single choruses. All of everything on, on that album was a bit yeah. like that. Yeah. All right. So this song, okay, released in 97. So why is it on this compilation? Great question. My guess, because for some unknown reason, this wasn't a hit in Australia in 97. Yeah, wow. It just wasn't. Like it got to like number 40, I think, on the charts. This is when this happened. This is like, you know, internet was around, but it yeah. just wasn't. Yeah. You had to still hear it on the radio. Huge in the UK, okay. Then his album Millennium came out and that was big in this country, okay. So that was the first like Robbie Williams is a pop star. He's like, he's... He's cheeky, he's funny, he's like everything you want from your pop stars. Amazing. So this Sex got, icon, like... Yeah, so this got put on this and then got re-released, but the second time it only got to 91 here. People didn't care. They were like, no, wow. we don't want this one. So in 2011, uh, Robbie Williams said he wrote Angels with uh, Guy Chambers and he said it took him 25 minutes. That's all. And he wrote it about <laughs> his aunt and uncle. Um, he and Chambers were sitting outside a cafe watching a water fountain and that inspired him to write the chorus... And then in 2016, he said it was the first of our songs that we wrote together. We could tell and hoped and prayed that we'd got something incredibly special. And then he said that uh, he assumed that Chambers was the sole author of it. So Chambers... But then what happened was an Irish singer-songwriter called Ray Heffernan said that he wrote a version of Angels in 1996 uh, and showed it to Guy uh, Guy Chambers and Guy Chambers just pretty much stole it. But they they gave him some money to kind of shush up. That money... Oh, no. How much money do you reckon? Oh, it would have been bugger all. Seven and a half thousand pounds. That is brutal. And uh, and he thanks him on the liner notes. And that's... That's it? That's it. Uh, he said, we could have gone to court and it would have been down to whether or not the judge uh, woke... What side the judge woke up uh, the day out of bed... So I gave him some money and he went away. And then this guy uh, said, for a long time I was angry about it, but as you get older you see things differently. The Angels Connection has opened doors to publishing companies and earned me a few quid. So people are like, oh, he wrote Angels, so let's get him to write some other songs. But yeah, but £7,500 for, for a, song, a song that would still be making money today. A song that in 2005 the Brit Awards won the best song of the last 25 years, <laughs> voted by the public. And also holds the record in the UK as the most played songs at funerals. Oh my God. He should have at least got eight and a half. (laughs) Get it up to 10. I reckon you get up to 10. Yeah. That is the thing about is I associate that song because when I was working in Holland in 1999, it was one of those songs I associate that song and um, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Yep. Those two were just played on repeat on yep. radio, and so I used to be living in a, like work in a big warehouse, and I just would hear it over and over and over again. And when you you know filling up your trolley to you know was it I was you know coffee, tea, and food for office supplies or like office you know offices I think that's what it was. And I just remember I was like I was so sick of it. So even when I hear it, I sometimes go, it's a good song, but I just heard it too much. Yeah. Yep. Like I. I think it's a good song and I think it's one of those songs. It's It'll it's, stay around forever. It will. It really will. Unlike shit. Unlike <laughs> Deve L'Amore. All right. This must be the song that's on your playlist. This is Filter and their song, Take a Picture. Bingo.
Alright, there we go. I think that's the longest we've ever played a song on the pod. Just that so is, you know. it that, is. That was almost two minutes. <laughs> it is. It, I love that song, and it's also on my playlist uh, when I go driving because you can just sing it, is, it yeah. at the top of your voice. And I love the intro to it. And I, and part of me just feels like it's not. It, it hasn't as aged as bad. No. as other songs. No, it hasn't. Like if you look at them, all the you know at the start of this, it was just like some of those songs. You know, I mean, we keep going to bother our games. Yeah, but you know, but like this one still goes. And you know what I used to do is when I used to work at a hostel, right? Is um, backpackers were like, can you play that song? And there's been like digital cameras were coming out. So then you take the photo, oh. then you ask the number, and it would work. I would see it in front of me. It was amazing. There you go. So Richard Patrick was getting people sex all over the world. <laughs> so he was. So the band they formed in Cleveland. Uh, in 1993. So Richard Patrick is the singer and guitarist and it's Brian Lysgang. And Richard was a member of the Nine Inch Nails touring band. Oh. Yeah. And so the band formed because he was recording, he was on some of their songs on the recording of The Downward Spiral, their huge album in oh 93. Oh, Yeah. And he wasn't getting, he was getting like live yeah. show checks and he said to Trent Reznor, can I get uh, more money? And Trent Reznor said, get up off your ass and go write a record if you want more money. And then he said, also said, if you want to get money, go get a job in a pizza place. So he left the band and went and formed Filter. This is from their second album. The album's called Title of Record. Great, great, funny name. I like that. Uh, and the song's about getting drunk on an aeroplane and taking off his clothes and not remembering it. <laughs> he, got, he got arrested. And so he asked a friend, um, can you take my picture so I can actually remember it? Why, oh my God, was, I didn't yeah, know this. He didn't know, yeah. And so, um, and he said that, that line stuck with him because his friend was telling him, yeah, you told me to take your picture. And so he showed him the, the photos. And uh, th- there's a line where he talks about his dad saying, uh, what do you, what, uh, what's my dad going to think? Or something like that. Oh, what do you think of yeah, your son yeah. now? And he said his dad was really embarrassed by that line and he tried to say, no, no, but I say it in different ways. So it means a different thing, dad. It's not just you always yeah, being yeah, disappointed yeah, yeah. in me. Um, and his brother, this is a cool fact, Robert Patrick, who played the T-1000 in Terminator 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This is phenomenal stuff. Good song. I, I'd forgotten it's, about this song. It's a really good song. I think it's one of the best, in, like, because you usually have to get to the chorus pretty quickly. Yeah. But with that one, I, st- I enjoy it because I know... The chorus is coming, but I can just get lost into the intro. Yeah. All right. Moving on. It's our last song. We better hurry this up. This is live and their song, The Dolphins Cry. The way you're bathing light reminds me of that night. God laid me down into your rose garden of trust and I was swept away. With nothing left to say Some helpless fool Yeah, I was lost In a swoon of peace You're all I need to find So when the time is right Come to me sweetly Come to me There we go. It is good. So Throwing Copper, let's just put it out there. Huge. Eight times platinum in the States. Yep. Sold over 20 million copies. Not surprised. Okay. Everyone had, it was, this is the album people had in my school. It was Throwing Copper. Yep. Bush or the President's United States of America. And I'll let you know, I had all three. And I, I, I had all three as well, but I was more of a President's kind of guy. Which was my first concert I ever went to. Oh, nice. At Festival Hall. Oh, great. Uh, and so they released another album in 97 called Secret Soundy. And then this one in 2000 called The Distance to Hear. Okay? Yeah. Yep. So the band, they're still going. They're still, yeah, they're still going. And they're on my list. Like Smashing Pumpkin Stick. Yep. I need to see live. I, when they come, I will go see them. Well, this is the thing. So they've had a bit of inner turmoil with the band. So Ed uh, Kowalsik, I think it's, yeah. I can't, it's Polish. I can't say it probably. Uh, he left the band in 2009. To release a solo album, which he called Alive. <laughs> when he left, he said they were just on hiatus. 
and the band wanted to do other projects. And I think he just wanted to do other projects and not split the money. Because the other three mem- members, they recorded an album under a name called The Gracious Few. Then after two years of being on hi- hiatus, Ed said, no, I- I'm leaving permanently. And he tried to sue the band. And they tried to sue him back for using the name live when performing. Ah. But you can't... You can't sue that word, surely. Yeah, your name's live. You can't say Ed... It's like Ed Kowalsik live. He's not lying. He's performing live. Like, Fuck. whether or not it has a, yeah, you can't, yeah. a capital letter or re- not. Like, you know, if it was, I don't know who the gurus or whatever, you could sue, but you can't see that. Yeah, so they, re- they replaced him um, with a guy called Christian. They released another album. And then in 2016, Water on the Ed came back to the band. So they sacked Christian. And now they're... In, How do you replace that voice? Now they're in their original touring is live. Yeah. But that would be weird going, all right, you went to do a solo album. It didn't work. You come back to the band. But the band going... Doesn't that happen a lot though? Must happen. Must happen a lot. But also that thing of going, I mean, do, you, do your solo album. That's fine. But just still have us... Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. Don't, don't leave us. Like, yeah. Anyway. I, 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 just, remember, I just remember that. I bought that album... And I remember that CD, and I just remember just listening to it all the time, like year ten. It was all I listened to. Like, and then I remember later someone telling me it was a Christian band. I don't know if they which are. I are don't they? know if that's entirely true. And it, but it's also like when I found out the United uh, Presidents of the United States was a joke band. I didn't know yeah. that either. That hurt. Well, I don't know if they are. A jo- I, I think I think they they're funny, but I don't think they're a joke. I, I think, th- I think they're piss take. No, I think they take themselves very seriously. Okay, I just th- that era of music, especially yeah. like I, I was just obsessed with. And that song in particular, like, oh, yeah. it's, it's going on the playlist. See, this is, I like rock music. This is not the type of rock music I like, oh, though. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this for me sounds a bit bloated. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every song is pretty much the same. Like, I put in the same thing as like, oh. every song's pretty similar, but it's like the same with, you know, Jack Johnson. Every song's the same. Yeah, but th- then I can't listen to Throwing Copper without, I can't listen to it going, is this a good song or not? Or is this just nostalgia for me going, I remember being at, Justin Humber's like garage, oh, it's, it's both. listening to this throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah. yeah, but I think isn't most music like that? Thing I know is? exactly. Yeah, and so it's like I'm sure doing this. I'm like some of these. I'm like they're probably bad songs, but I'm now thinking back, going, you know what? I'm, I remember where I was when I heard oh, 100%. it. Hundred percent. Like Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins was here, and I did. I had no one to go with, and then I found out later a lot of people just went by themselves. Yeah. Anyway, and I was I was so regret not going. So it's just like that era of like that's when I started going to see live music. Yeah. That's like, and if they come, I'll, I'm definitely buying a ticket. Yeah, oh, live and Smashing Pumpkins on the one stage. Oh, hey, we're at the end now. So this is what we do: we go through all ten songs, and you tell me if you think it's a hit or not. We're going to start with "Blue" by Eiffel sixty five. Absolute hit. The Bad Touch, Bloodhound Gang. It was a hit. Don't call me baby, Madison Avenue. Hit. All the small things, Blink One Eight Two. Hit. Cartoon Heroes, Aqua. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> when you say nothing at all. Hit. Ronnie Keaton. Dove La More, Cher. No. Angels, Robbie Williams. Hit. Take a Picture, Filter. Hit. The Dolphins Cry Live. Hit. 80% hits, volume 30, <laughs> side on. A. That's good. That is a very good strike rate. I, and uh, look, I, I, I agree. I think a lot of them were hits. A lot of them were hits. And some of them haven't aged well and some of them have aged beautifully. W- Next, next, Dolphins do cry. <laughs> next episode, we have some big songs coming up. Man, I feel like a woman. Oh, it, it, it makes me spew. We have more Venga boys. Oh, my people. And also the one, the only, the bloke, Chris Franklin. Oh, could you get him on? <laughs> I'm gonna could try. You get him on? I'm gonna try just for that song. Just talk about that song. Um, hey, Benny, you got what do you got to plug? Uh, what have I got to plug? Um, uh, just uh, Instagram. Just go yep. see Ben Lomas comic. Uh, still got my podcast, Fit Vet. Uh, check it out with George Singer. Uh, and just yeah, hit the Instagram. I'm always doing live gigs in yep. Melbourne, so uh, would love to see you there. Excellent. Hey, thanks everyone for being Patreon subscribers. You're all the best. If you want to be one, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. We're going through Hit Machine 17, the two discs, 30 songs. 30 songs. It's so, so many songs, so Ben. Many songs. So many songs to study up. Anyway, you're all the best. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.